This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast by Connie Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lala Ericoglu. Hello. There are so many reasons to want to go on a solo trip right now. Maybe you've been stuck at home with a partner or your kids for 18 months and just need some me time. Maybe you're ready to get back to travel, but your friends aren't at your comfort level just yet. But no matter the reason, we are all out of practice. So to help get you back in the solo travel game, we've invited two guests who have taken a solo trip recently to pass on some post-vaccine tips and tricks for your first adventure. Joining us are New York Times travel reporter Tariro Mizuzewa and Hannah Pasternak, Associate Director of Special Projects at Self Magazine. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having us. It goes without saying that a lot of us have spent quite a lot of time in solitude this past year, often involuntarily. How do you think solo travel differs from other types of alone time? I think solo travel offers you the chance to be somewhere really wonderful, whether that's being outdoors or going to a museum that you love in a totally foreign place. And I think that's a different way of interacting with a place than being at home alone. sitting in your studio apartment, which is what I did for most of the pandemic. Um, And I think it differs from like group travel because it just forces you to be alone with your thoughts and forces you to like challenge yourself uh, to talk to new people and have different kinds of experiences that maybe you wouldn't have if you were traveling with your closest friends or even if you were, again, at home alone. Yeah, this question reminds me a lot of a dilemma I'm, I've been going back and forth about in my head for most of the pandemic, which is like, I'm spending so much time at home. I have all the time to quote unquote self-care. You know, I can sleep on the weekends. I don't feel like I need to run around from one borough of the city to the other, but like, okay, so why am I so tired and why am I exhausted? Right? Like we can still do things that like quote unquote are what they are. So like being alone, like many of us have been for different points of the pandemic, but it still doesn't satisfy that that need because it's not in our control. And I think like there's a huge mental health aspect to this too, where it's like, okay, what am I doing because I want to be doing it and because I'm self-electing in and what am I doing because I'm being forced to do it? So like, even if like lounging around or having alone time during the pandemic has been really nice for some of us, you know, granted it comes with its like pitfalls as well. But even if it's been nice, I think it's still not going to hit that same craving that 
we have for when we are going out into the world and traveling by ourselves and doing this thing that often, at least for me, makes me feel like the most in control and the most rewarded of like anything that there is to do in life. I think what you said, Tariro, about it, like exposing you to new things and being a challenge is something that I find really interesting because I feel like alone time for the most part for me is like reading in my house, going to the park, going on a walk in my neighborhood, all things that I could pretty much do with my eyes closed. I mean, can't read with your eyes closed, but you, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and solo travel is all newness all the time, even if you are alone. So you're being exposed to new things, having to come across new challenges. It's working your brain in a way that alone time doesn't necessarily. And you're also, to a certain extent, even if you are on a solo trip, you're choosing how much time you actually spend alone, right? Even if it's just deciding to, you know, I think this is an example that we cite probably too much on this podcast, but, you know, even if it's just sitting at the hotel bar or the bar of a restaurant um, with your book and a drink, but you get talking to the bartender, like, that is a social interaction that you're having right then and there. And that is such a contrast from being alone in your studio apartment, staring at a screen. When you guys think about solo trips that you took before, what were your favorite parts of solo travel? What, what were your favorite solo trips that you had taken in the past? I mean, my most memorable solo trip or like my biggest quote unquote solo trip that felt like my Elizabeth Gilbert experience was I went to Milan by myself. So it was very like luxurious eating and seeing beautiful art and seeing beautiful buildings and just like absorbing things that were aesthetically and deliciously pleasing to me. And um, when I went on the solo trip, I, I mean, I went last weekend, I got back on Sunday. So I got back like less than five days ago. The best part of it was actually these like small interactions I had with strangers which is a part of solo travel that I enjoy, but has never been like my favorite part or why I do it. Whereas this time it was just those small moments of humanity that felt really nice and comforting. Um, for me, a solo trip that I loved was going to Hawaii alone in 2019 in the before times. <laughs> and just the whole experience was so wonderful. But when you live in New York or you live in a city or honestly, wherever you live, if you're stuck in your own routine and your life is really regimented, there's a sense of constantly going. You know, you have like a really um, repetitive daily schedule, right? You wake up and you have to do this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing's happening at this time and you're seeing these people at that time. Um, and I think traveling alone sort of, gave me the opportunity to just slow down and also be more in control and more flexible with what I was doing. I think when you're in a group, there's a bit more of an expectation that we're doing this thing because that friend really wants to do it today. And tomorrow we're doing that thing at two o'clock because those two people want to do that thing, which is also great. Everybody gets to feel included, but I loved just being able to slow down. It was like a forced slowing down and then also having some time to say like, actually, I don't know if that's the thing I want to do today. I think I'll do this instead. Tura, you quite recently went back to Hawaii on a reporting trip, correct? I did. How did it feel returning to Hawaii in pandemic slash after times? Given that it sounds like one of your last trips, if it was 2019, was also to Hawaii. It was. I went, it was 
just the stark contrast. I was there in 2019 on Oahu, and that was like a record year for tourism for them. It just was like over tourism to the maximum. And then I went back in February for a story and it was a totally different place. And I think even now it's diff- more different because it's coming a bit more to life and people are, it's a little easier um, to travel around once you're there. But when I was there in February, I just, I lost my breath, you know? I got off the plane and I was just stunned. Everything in the airport was closed. Um, it was like hyper clean. <laughs> um, so many places all over the island had closed down. Um, places that I had been to a few times that I really liked. Um, being in the hotel was also just different. It was a really odd experience. It felt so sterile. And more than anything, I mean, my favorite part of writing about Hawaii is just writing about all these really interesting people and really cool traditions. And it was hard to not feel for everybody who actually like lives there, who's a resident there, and especially for Native Hawaiians, because you could see sort of like the hit that they took from the pandemic, but also I understood why it was so hard for people to get there, why they intentionally made it hard for people to get there. I mean, an outbreak on any of those islands just would have been so devastating. So it, it was a really stark contrast to be there in 2019 and then to be there in 2021. Totally different. And Hannah, with the trip that you just planned, obviously, again, the place that most of the U.S. was in February is not where it is now in June. What was the most daunting part of planning the trip? What went into you deciding to go on the solo trip you just got back from? So I I was traveling alone. I I ended up with a group of people. It was kind of, it was this trip, it's called Intermission. It's a brand new thing. This was the first one where people from all over the country come together and you kind of have this weekend of like personal growth and inner transformation and you work on healing. There's, there's mind body aspects of it. You know, there's everything from like hit workout classes to like primal screaming and, um, amazing, like hugging workshops, whatever. It was just like, it was this absolutely incredible experience. And I, so I went alone. Some people came with significant others. Some people came with, you know, a friend. So it was, it was like a combination of a group trip, but I was traveling alone and I spent time alone before and after. That is something that I'd actually recommend for easing back into solo travel. I'm the kind of person who loves going alone on a group trip. I, I've been on the women who travel trips before. Um, I went to Colombia. It was absolutely amazing. And anybody who is listening to this should 100% go and not even question it. But, um, but I do, I mean, it was when I studied abroad, when I was in college, like I was the only one I knew who went to like, went on a program without a friend from, from college or without knowing anybody, you know, I showed up, I was in Prague and like everybody had come with their little click from school. And, and I was like the only person from my entire college in the country. I don't know. I've always, I've always liked that challenge. I think it's really hard for me. It's like harder for me than like traveling alone and not intending on socializing with a group. So I feel like easing back into travel in general and then more specifically solo travel, it was really nice to know that like I didn't really have to plan that much. I think that for me, it was like the best way to do it, Um, especially someone who like is an anxious traveler, but also loves to travel, something I also love talking about. Um, It felt like the best of both worlds. Well, then I imagine, you know, doing the trip like you did by having like a organization or a tour operator handling all the logistics that also means in a time when borders can close or reopen in a blink 
you sort of can have the peace of mind that there are travel professionals who are going to take care of that if something changes. Exactly. And so it was nice having not traveled for a while. It was also nice just knowing like the state of the world is utter chaos and can change in a moment. Um, so yeah, like in every logistical way, I felt like it was the best thing for me. And of course it was an extreme privilege, right. Or like to be able to have a tour operator or like a private guide or something like that, or even like to sign up to do have a group guide is an extreme privilege in any country or state or place that you visit. But if you are an anxious traveler, or if you are worried about COVID logistics, I would imagine as it did for me, it took out a lot of that anxiety for sure. I feel like one thing related to that is, you know, for the first time ever, I'm finding myself feeling like I need the help of a travel agent. Like Mm -hmm. I've never had the urge to look for that before. I've always felt like very confident in my ability to just plan a trip. Um, But because of the way things are, (laughs) it's a great time, I think, to ask for that help. I feel like sometimes when people travel, they get nervous about seeking out help. And this is actually the perfect time to reach out for it. Like there's never been a better time to consult an expert. And there are experts who are very eager and ready to give that help and would love to take your travel dollars. Exactly. Um, Something that kind of feeds into the pros of a group trip um, is that you have an automatic group of friends, new people to meet uh, when you are taking your solo trip. And I think oftentimes, specifically the four of us on this call, when we go on a work trip, more often than not by ourselves, we have to be speaking with strangers to get the story. And so I feel like sometimes we're like primarily set up for making friends with strangers on the road. What are y'all's best tips for meeting people so that you have people to talk to, whether you're at the bar or you're on a group trip or whatever it is? What are your, I don't know, friend pickup lines? What is your, (laughs) (laughs) what is your, what is your way that you meet people on the road when you're by yourself? Give a compliment. I think that's like the best talking to strangers advice I have ever received. And it it doesn't always work. But do you know what? If the person doesn't engage with you, what's the worst thing that happened? You gave someone a compliment. You probably made them feel good about themselves. And then you can turn to the next person and give them a compliment and see if it works. So I feel like that's a good, easy win-win, you know, low stakes way to go about it. I feel like I've made a lot of travel buddies just, you know, sitting at a bar, sitting at a restaurant and just being like, have you done this thing? You know, like, have you checked out this popular spot? Have you, like, what else have you done? I feel like that just sort of sparks a conversation. And, you know, that's been a successful pickup line (laughs) for friends. I actually, it's funny. I was talking to a friend who is currently in Costa Rica and she, she was like, you know, if there's one piece of common ground that everyone has right now, it's this pandemic everyone knows what you're talking about. So if you have nothing else in common, this weird, horrible thing that happened to all of us is that common thread right now. And I feel like when you're already on a solo trip, like you've already made that jump to put yourself out there and be comfortable on your own and you're, you know, trying new things. So sticking your neck out and saying hi to the person next to you or asking the thing I like genuinely miss the most is being at a restaurant and asking the table next to me what they've ordered, um, which is usually how I pick what I want to eat. And so I think that like you're already halfway there when you're on a solo trip to saying hi to the person next to you. I think that it can be like anxiety inducing, but you just like have to remember that you're already 
You've already like made it out the door. So you're like miles ahead of everyone else. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tyres, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hannah, given that you just recently were traveling with a group. When I've done group trips before, one thing that I have struggled with is that, especially if you were traveling solo, but you are also part of this group, there are times when you do actually want to get that alone time. How do you find a polite way to make that exit or to prioritize yourself when you are also in a group dynamic? I love that because it's something, it's so real and it's something that I kind of had to navigate all weekend long. So it's very top of mind for me. But if you're on a group of people you don't know, it's obviously much easier to politely excuse yourself. You kind of need to make sure that there's like individual time carved into your itinerary, right? That's the first step is like there has to be some sort of chunk of free time. So at intermission, this this retreat that I was on, they pretty much had almost like every afternoon free. The mornings were super packed. The afternoons were free. So like people would go to the pool in groups. People would, you know, go back to their cabins and nap, you know, with their with people they were staying with, whatever. And I feel like that's the easiest time if you are someone who feels socially awkward or um, aren't sure quite how to go about of taking that time for yourself during the free time is the easiest time to just like slip away. You don't owe anyone anything. You don't need to tell anybody where you're going. Like, especially if you're out with people that you knew prior to the trip, like it's totally okay for you to just slither away and do your own thing for an hour or two or three or four even. The other thing I'll say is like, you can just be honest with people because I'm sure they probably feel the same way. Like we 
all have just spent the last year and a half in such bubbles that I'm sure for many of us, too much social interaction is overwhelming right now, even if you're an extroverted person. And I think you'll be so pleasantly surprised at like, that will give you something else actually to bond over with people who are strangers or people who don't know as well. I think we're learning so much about those kinds of boundaries in our friendships. You know, I know personally, I've been feeling a little like re-entry fatigue, <laughs> if we want to call it that, where suddenly it's like I've gone from having no one to see to sort of trying to see everyone. And then I'm like, feeling very overwhelmed by it. Uh, and, you know, it reminds me of being on trips with people. And I think one of the things I used to struggle with when I would first travel was figuring out how to get out of things. Um, and I would sort of want to be like sneaky about it. And the older I get, the more comfortable I am just saying like, you know, I'm going to head out. I'm going to go home. Um, but you stay and you have a good time. And I'll see you tomorrow. And also just baking in my alone time. I love mornings. I'm a super early bird and they're like precious to me, <laughs> those early mornings. So when I go on a trip, I just know that my mornings are mine. And if somebody wants to join me, maybe they can come, but I'm probably gonna be gone when they wake up at 6.30. Um, <laughs> so that's when I sort of try to just make sure, like thinking ahead of time, when am I going to get my alone time in? And pushing myself to say, you know, I'm actually going to head out because that's that's taking care of myself. And I think when you think about solo trips, even like, you know, true solo trips, when you're not going um, with a larger group or meeting up with anyone, um, you like need to factor that in as well, that like you can't spend your whole day and your whole night out and about, like you will be as exhausted as if you were with people because you're packing your schedule. So remembering that like, it's perfectly okay to have downtime when you're by yourself and you don't have to go like 150% into going back on a trip now that you can, um, will help you like survive because I feel like my instinct for my first solo trip is going to be to like, how many places can I go? What can I see? Where can I eat? How, like, how much can I fit into this, you know, long weekend or whatever? And like, I, I didn't even enjoy traveling like that before. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why it's like my instinct, but I, I have to keep reminding myself that like that time downtime and like, you know, making sure I'm not exhausted when I come back from vacation, um, is still being protected. It's like arguing with myself about my own boundaries too. <laughs> I feel like it's like regret anxiety. Like we're scared that if we don't do every single thing, the next pandemic, whatever it is, like the next thing will be locked back up in our apartments, wishing we'd done the thing. And it's like, no, it's going to be okay. We're good. We're okay. Also, I never want to hear the words next pandemic. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I feel quite nauseous at those words. <laughs> Well, and I think one thing that I'm quite guilty of when I am traveling alone is not giving myself the permission to have breaks and to relax. And I think part of it is that I rely on the cues of others to remind me to do that. So it's someone else saying, we've been walking for hours. I'm tired. Let's take a break. Or, you know, maybe we just like don't leave the hotel today. And I think there's something about when I'm on my own, I place like a sort of self-imposed pressure to try and do everything. And I sort of forget to just take the time out to relax. Um, Meredith, I know, I mean, we've definitely mentioned it on the podcast before, but I'm always 
I always really admire when you were in London and you took a whole day in your hotel room to just do nothing but watch Bake Off. Oh my gosh, I walked, I watched Great British Bake Off from the hotel bed. I took two baths and watched Bake Off from the bath because the TV swiveled. Like I had the best time and then I went out to dinner and then I came back to my hotel. Like it was truly the best like actual vacation day and I still think about like I should factor one of those into every trip because it was, it felt so deluxe. Like it really felt like you are treating yourself to this like amazing day where there's no pressure to do anything but the exact thing that you want, which is to watch people bake mostly good things. I love this. I do this. Every trip you will find me. There is one day you are going to see me beside the pool for like six hours and I have no shame about it. I just I'm like, I deserve this. (laughs) So I I really urge everyone to take that energy (laughs) with them on their vacations. Something that's hard for me, it's inspiring to hear both of you guys talk about this because I think the reason why I have a hard time doing that is because that's when the, the realization that I'm alone starts to kick in. So it's not even about like how much of the city can I cram into the day? Although like on one level it is, on the other level, it's just like, I don't want to stop and be like, oh my God, I'm alone and I know nobody. And in some cases I don't even know the language and like, then it just becomes an anxiety spiral. So I think that it's an important thing for me to work on. And it's like a really good reminder to hear you guys say that. And the irony of it all, of course, is that it's such a catch 22. Like if I gave myself that kind of permission during solo trips, especially during such like a a time where anxiety everywhere is heightened. And we also have this like whole new thing to be nervous about, which is getting sick, obviously. Like you need those days off more than ever before in some ways. Right. And like if I were to force myself to take them or like even if it's just meant like taking an afternoon, kind of like I did on this trip over the weekend. And I came back being like, wow, I loved the pacing of the, of like, I loved the itinerary. I loved the pacing. Like that's something I'd love to adapt for the future. Maybe like for me, it's just baby steps and means like on my next solo trip, I like cut, take an afternoon and I don't leave my hotel room and that's fine. And I just like learn to sit with myself and what that's like. I feel like the baby step though, is like doing what Trier is doing and going to the pool where you're like around other people. There are other human beings around. You're like alone, but you could talk to somebody if you wanted to. Um, and then the next step is hotel room for half a day. Cause I feel like, like, I'm not going to tell you that I didn't spiral when I was in that hotel room. I just think in the end <laughs> it was better for me to do that. And I think that it kind of like plays into that going to a restaurant and sitting at the bar by yourself, going to the movies by yourself, like being around people. Um, you don't have to talk to any of them if you don't want to. You're not on a group trip. You're not required to say hi to anyone. Um, but you're, you know, you're surrounded by people and then you can decide whether or not you want to be alone. But again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, that like alone time and solo travel aren't necessarily like necessarily like complementary or identical ways to experience solitude and I think that it's very easy right now to think well I just spent a year sitting watching Netflix on my couch on my own so why would I do that in a hotel but you were doing it in your home that you couldn't leave you weren't doing it in a luxurious hotel room that hopefully has a big bathtub where you can order room service a bed that you will never have to make right (laughs) you know thinking about figuring out what works for you and what doesn't and also making boundaries for yourself and with other travel buddies that you end up 
kind of hitting the road with. That's a learning process for sure. And you have to take quite a few trips, I think, to start to realise what your own personal travel rhythm is. What advice do you have for listeners who are considering a solo trip right now, but maybe aren't quite sure where or how to start? It's helpful to always remember that you don't have to take a big trip. You know, I think there's this feeling that if you can right now, you should go big because why wouldn't you? You were just at home for a year, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like go at the pace that you feel comfortable, but also maybe you can be a little challenged. You know, I don't think you need to go on a 14 hour flight and plan a trip to another country and just to do it, right? You don't need to go big. You can go on a road trip nearby and start that way. I don't think there's any shame in doing that. And I think that actually sounds really lovely <laughs> and like a good re-entry. And it also means you're probably dealing with less restrictions and like sort of less new intense things to navigate. Um, I think that would probably be my main advice. Yeah, I I totally second that. And I think there's also just such a benefit to exploring close by, whether it means like getting in the car or this past weekend I was in um, Texas Hill Country, which was so cool and like probably never would have been on my list before just because I didn't know much about it. I don't I don't think I even know anyone who's really spent time there, but I'm just constantly reminded, I mean, especially in the U.S., like how much traveling I need to do here that I haven't done and how much I can do here that I haven't done. And I think that there's merit to that, whether you live in the States or not, like there is something to be said about familiarizing yourself with like the land or the country that you are, were born and raised and that you call your home. Um, it sounds corny. I feel like I'm like reciting the national anthem, but it's so, (laughs) you know, I'm like the land you call your home, but it's true. I mean, in, in February, I went to Big Sur for the first time, which was like one of the best trips I have ever taken. And I can't believe it took me so long to get there, but had it not been COVID, I probably would have used that opportunity to like go to Mexico city or, you know, or make like a quote unquote bigger trip about it. But like what really constitutes a bigger trip, right? It's what you get out of it. That's way more important. And so if you're going to get more out of staying local, whether that means a short flight or a car ride, I think like do that. Like it's what you were just saying, Meredith, like what's the point of having it be this big thing, you know, you shouldn't do it just to do it, right? You should do it because you're going to get something out of it. So that also starts with like, what are you looking for? That's probably the first question you should ask yourself. And I think that will, that will help inform where you should go. I want to make one go big pitch, uh, which is that my first solo trip was also to Italy. And I think it is oddly very well primed for solo travel, train system, super friendly people, um, great food, bar culture, where it's not bizarre for you to sit alone at a bar. And, you know, obviously there are complications to, to planning that trip now, but if you want to plan something for later in the year or for next year, and you really do want to go big, I would make a large pitch for watching every episode of Stanley Tucci's TV show, and then (laughs) going and planning a trip to Italy. Um, I don't speak Italian. I was very nervous and I had the absolute best time um, and would recommend it to anyone. Well, Teruro and Hannah, if people want to follow you on your future travels, where can they find you on the internet? I am on Instagram at Teruro and like two underscores or something ridiculous like that. 
You can find me. My bylines are at self magazine, self.com where I work now. And you can find me on Instagram at pastor snacks, which is a play of my last name, pastor knack. <laughs> Amazing. I'm at. Oh, Hey there, Mayor. I'm at Lale Hannah. Tariro and Hannah's Instagrams and social media in all forms will be linked in the show notes. So be sure to check them out. Please follow Women Who Travel on Instagram, just at Women Who Travel, and sign up for our bi weekly newsletter, which will also be linked in the show notes. Lots of links to check out. And we will talk to you all next week. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, the New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.